You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Friday, December 8th. This is the Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you're riding home with me, straight home on a Friday. I have enough gas to get there. My wife decided to buy me a steak from my favorite... I don't. I hesitate to say my favorite restaurant. As far as places that would can be considered a proper restaurant that somebody's going to rate in a magazine with a chef, I'd say it's my favorite. It's Henry's Louisiana Grill in Ackworth. Is it the place I go to most favorite? No, that's Scott's Barbecue or Dub's Highland Hog Barbecue. But Henry's Louisiana Grill is really good. Really, really good. This episode of the Christian Commute brought to you by Henry's Louisiana Grill in Ackworth, Georgia. Uh, And she saw that one of my favorite courses from there was on special and she's going to Ackworth to get it. So I am hightailing at home to get that while it's still hot. I don't know why my wife is doing something nice for me. But she is, so I appreciate it. And we're going to decorate our Christmas tree. We have an artificial Christmas tree that she decorated with all the kids. And and I was like, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm decorating this tree. I'm like, I want a real Christmas tree. So we moved that one to another room and went and bought a real Christmas tree and now I'm sick every day that I go home. This might be the last year uh, that I have a, a real tree. I've always made a big deal about having a real tree. I've, I've made the point to my mother when she went to the fake tree that artificial Christmas trees are popish. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about going with your kids and picking one out and finding the perfect one. But if it's going to make me sniffly... I'm just not going to buy one anymore. If I can make a living making fake grass, I can I can have a fake tree. We'll see. But that's what we're going to do tonight. And then we got a basketball game tomorrow. <clears throat> and what do I have for you? A full show on the Christian commute. I did not have a full show yesterday, and I haven't uploaded that show yet, so... I don't know. I'm hoping maybe Saturday night or Sunday I'll get to that. Hopefully I'll get this show to you before Monday. At least before Tuesday. Both of these shows. Today's show title is Rob Reiner's Christianity. Rob Reiner's Christianity. I have a question in the inbox. It's a follow-up question. About speaking in tongues. Uh, Let's see. When did I cover it? Tuesday. To, well, I don't know if I'd call it a follow-up question to Tuesday. Is I didn't answer the question uh, completely enough on Tuesday. So give that a part two. Maybe I should stop. Maybe I should start doing a halfway job answering the questions on purpose, and people will write in more. Don't turn in front of me. Wait, turn left in front of me on a green light. It was cutting it close. And as always, we have the Bible chapter of you. We're in Matthew chapter 26, verses 60b through 64. 60b through 64. Jesus is being put on trial 
at the high priest's house. All right. <coughs> and false witnesses have come uh, come against him, but it's all false. And they can't, they can't stick anything to him. It's just a bunch of false witnesses. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. There Jesus is referencing Daniel 7, a prophecy about the Christ, and he's, he's applying it to himself. He said, you're going to see, he's basically saying, you're, this is me. You're going to see me. Now, after all these false accusations, somebody finally makes a true accusation. Because Jesus really did say, we know this from reading the Gospels, that tear this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. And everybody thinks he's talking about the building, but he's talking about himself, that he's going to be resurrected in three days. He's talking about his body. He's not talking about the temple. These witnesses are clearly under the misimpression that he's talking about the temple that it's going to be torn down and he's going to build it back in three days, which is absurd. Nobody took years to build that temple. <laughs> Sneeze from having a Christmas tree in my house. Ugh. I need to go to Costco and get some more Costco brand Zyrtec. Now I'm on the Target brand Zyrtec. My wife bought me some name brand Zyrtec when I ran out of Costco brand Zyrtec, and I ran out of that. I don't know about this Target brand Zyrtec. Hopefully... I don't get too sick tonight decorating the Christmas tree. But excuse me if I'm going to sneeze my way through the Christian commute today. So this is this these accusation of these two guys. Notice Jewish law, two or three, it's two guys making the accusation. They, they were not, they're not going to take an accusation from just one person. And these two guys say, yeah, we both heard him say this. I don't know what kind of crime that is to say you could build a temple in three days if somebody tore it down. Like Uncle Rico, what do you want to bet I could throw a football over them mountains? It's not a crime to say you could throw the football over the mountains, whether you can or not. But apparently this is a big deal. This guy said he could build the temple in three days if he tore it down. And Jesus won't even answer the charge. One, he really did say that. And two, he knows he's He's guilty before proven innocent in this case. He knows the kangaroo court. He knows he has to go through this so that scripture may be fulfilled. He knows it's his destiny that to go to the cross. That's what's got to happen. He's not even making an effort to defend himself. What would the point be? So he just doesn't even say anything. Because they're not listening. Remember Jesus says, he who has ears let him hear. These guys are spiritually deaf and spiritually blind. They're not listening. They're out to get him, and he knows it. And finally, the priest is like, no, I adjure you. Come, I, by, in the name of God, answer the question. And Jesus says, you've said it yourself. I, and what he's saying is, I am the Christ. You just said it. You've said it yourself. And he goes, further, 
Remember this prophecy about in Daniel 7 about this heavenly figure coming through the clouds? That's about me. I'm the guy. That's what he says here. You know, Muslims will tell you, Muslim apologists, they'll tell you nowhere in Scripture does Jesus claim to be God. Right here is where he does. In case you were wondering. There's other places. Before, before Abraham was, I am. He did then. But here, right here, he's doing it. Because you're going to see how the high priest flips out and accuses him of being a blasphemer next time on the Christian commute. That's going to be Tuesday, Lord willing. As we pick up with verse 65. Now, listen here. What, what day is it? It's the 7th. It's the 7th of December. The Christian commute could get a little spotty. I have four days of vacation left. And people like me who work in manufacturing don't go into work the last week of December. I may, I'm going to sit around and work from home. I'll probably work on some budgets, but I'm not going to do anything. So I have to take these four days of vacation by the end of the year. And I'm not going to take them in the last week of the year. So what am I to do? Well, i got to take them in the next two weeks. And I'm not going to take them on a Monday or Friday. In times past, before work from home, I'd take these vacation days on a Monday or Friday. I used to be a field turf, and I'd tell my friends, I am not going to work on a Monday or Friday for the whole month of December. You won't see me. Here come the three-day weeks. Well, now that I work from home, I really, I'm not bothered by working on Monday. I get up in bed when, out of bed whenever I feel like it. And then go down in my basement and work. And you then go to lunch whenever I feel like it. I wear whatever I feel like. I work for as long as I feel like. I take a break whenever I want to. And just, you know, just get my work done. Sometime from sun up to sundown. Or, you know, midnight. I work in the dark. I don't care. So now I'm not I'm not gonna try and take a Monday off. I might try to take a Tuesday or Thursday off. Friday's ping pong day. Even though it's going into the office day, it's ping pong day. And I have the number one winning percentage by a hair. And if I don't go in, my friend Nick will play the other guys and he'll beat. Like, Nick can beat me, but I can beat him too. I just need to go 50-50 with him. But if I don't go in, he'll play the other guys and he'll beat them. And he'll he'll jump up on my winning percentage. <clears throat> so the... The, you may miss a lot of Christian commutes, but I, I probably will try to go in Friday a couple times. But with these four vacation days, expect, expect to miss four shows. We're, we're probably not going to fish, finish the book of Matthew because uh, we go through Matthew 28. We're not going to finish that uh, before January gets here, almost certainly. We may finish chapter 26 because we're towards the end of it. Now let's go to the inbox. Once again, it's Jeff from Slow Driving, Florida. He called in to 470-315-0875. That number again is 470-315-0875. That's the Christian Commute Roadside Assistance Line. Sometimes I'll pick up and answer. I didn't last night. Uh, But you know, if I pick up and answer, it doesn't record the message. And I have to remember what they said. 
Or you can write your question about theology and apologetics or apologetics to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. That is SethDunn88 at gmail.com. And this is Jeff's question following up what he was asking about from Tuesday about speaking in tongues. He says, Seth, what, what is the interpretation of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, where Paul says, He who speaks in tongues, or he who speaks in a tongue, speaks to God. What does that mean? And he said he's seen some uh, commentaries, and I really can't answer this. Uh, Jeff said he saw some commentaries, and some commentaries say big G God talking about God, and some commentaries are saying little G God, which I don't even know what that would mean. Uh, by the way, they didn't have big G God and little G God in the original Greek. We do that in English out of respect for God. We, we're going to capitalize the G. But I, with, I don't know. I don't have these texts. I don't have these commentaries, Jeff. I don't know if they're good commentaries or bad commentaries. I don't know if they're the, the free commentaries on the Internet. Just because the commentary is free on the Internet doesn't make it bad, but you get what you pay for. So I don't know why these commentary, commentaries would say that, but I will try and interpret this verse for you. Because once again, people come and say, See... If you're speaking in tongues and you're speaking to God and other people don't understand it, this is the heavenly language. But some, there's some kind of tongue speaking that's the language, the tongues of angels, the heavenly language. And here is, here's more proof for it. Wrong. So, chapter 13 is Paul is saying, it's all about love, you guys. If I got this but don't have love. If I got this, but don't have love. If I got this, but don't have love. And he's exhorting the Corinthians to love one another. And in chapter 14, he says, he talks, he says, pursue love. And then he goes into tongues. Because you got to understand, there's people who are all hoity-toity. Because they think, I speak in tongues and I'm better than people who don't speak in tongues. I've got this spiritual gift to speak in tongues and other people can't do it. And I'm the man. And they think they're so great. And Paul says, he who speaks in tongues speaks to God, but he who prophesies reveals things to man. Because prophecy is a spiritual gift too that comes from God. And prophecy is better, Paul says, because everybody can understand it. It builds up and edifies the body. And Paul goes on down and he says, basically says a tongue's no good unless there's somebody there to interpret it. And in this verse, Paul even says that there's various tongues in, you know, stressing that there's tongues that are real languages that can be understood by whoever speaks that language. So what's the idea when, he, when somebody says, he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God? Is this some kind of prayer language? No, that doesn't make any sense. Even the guy speaking might not know what he's saying. What the deal is this. God knows everything. God knows all the languages. He, he's omniscient. The people you're speaking to who are, who are part of your church, they don't know every language. They don't know everything. They don't know God. So Paul's given an example of somebody who's speaking in a tongue, but no one understands him but God. 
And any mystery he's revealing can't be understood by the congregation. And you don't need to reveal a mystery to God because God knows all the mysteries. The mysteries need to be revealed to the people of God. And guys, you got to understand that the mysteries are meant to be revealed. This is not an Agatha Christie novel. This is not the Hardy Boys. We love you and we need you. This is the Hardy Boys is a book. Sorry, that's that's the Hardy Boys car. Come come do it with the Hardy Boys. That's different. Not this is not the Hardy Boys. The detective novels for kids. Okay? And even though in those mystery books, what happens in those mystery books? At the end you figure out the mystery. The mystery is from God is supposed to be revealed to the people. They don't know it, but God reveals it to them. The point of mysteries is to be revealed, not to remain an unsolved mystery. Remember that, that show when I was a kid, Unsolved Mysteries? Do, 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 with Robert Stack. No, no, these are solved mysteries. God wants you to know the mysteries. He wants you to know the message revealed from heaven. So if somebody's speaking in a tongue, nobody gets the revelation. Unless someone interprets. So Paul is saying prophecy is better because everybody can understand it. And a tongue is only good for everybody because we're talking about the love of the congregation. A tongue is only good if there's someone there gifted enough to interpret the tongue and share the message with the congregation. In what? In the language that they understand. I don't know what I don't know if they spoke in Corinth. Let's say they spoke Greek. So if somebody I don't know speaks a tongue in Aramaic, nobody knows Aramaic. They need to no no no. Here it is. This is what it means in in Greek. And there's there's innumerable there are innumerable languages then as there are now. Corinth is a port city, so there's people speaking all kinds of different languages. So that's what 1 Corinthians 14.2 means. Yeah, we don't, we don't sit there and hone in on, on verse 2. We look at Paul's whole point. And when you see Paul's whole point and then the comparing and contrasting he's doing, it's easy to see what it means. God's the only one who understands when you're speaking in the tongue if nobody else knows that particular language. Once again, there is no evidence for this esoteric so-called heavenly language or private prayer language. Even in this case, I guess you're speaking in public. Why would you speak in public with a private language? I mean, I don't know. So, Jeff, I hope that answers your question. And here, there's a principle here. And Greg Kokel from Stand to Reason, STR, he has a podcast, he says, never read a Bible verse. Just focus on the one verse. What's, what's Paul saying in chapter 13? Chapter 14 is an obvious continuation of that thought in which he's addressing the, one of the very problems uh, that's the reason he's, he's writing uh, Corinthians, the Corinthian letter. He's stressing love. He's stressing edification. He says, everybody needs to understand. You guys who speak in tongues think you're so great. You're not. God's the only one who understands you. You could have Brian Wilson there saying, God only knows. You could have the Beach Boys singing, God only knows. All right. No, I'm not going to sing any more uh, Beach Boys songs. But I could. They harmonize so well. Lying in bed, 
just like Brian Wilson did. Lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did. Oh, drove downtown in the rain, 9.30 on a Tuesday night, just to check out the late night record shop. Late night record shop. That's not a Beach Boys song. That's a song about the Beach Boys. That's a song about Brian Wilson. I said I wasn't going to sing a Beach Boys song. I sang a song about the Beach Boys. All right, let me pass this. It's a slow car from Florida, but it's an uncharacteristic color. It's black. It's a Mercedes. Do you know what I never noticed until my son mentioned it this weekend at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? That the Mercedes emblem is the steering wheel. I'm, I never noticed I thought it was just an emblem that meant Mercedes. It's a steering wheel. 41 years old, y'all. Never noticed it. My son's like, why is the steering wheel on the stadium? Oh. Oh. All right. Let's talk about Rob Reiner's Christianity. Who is Rob Reiner? He's the meathead. Norman Lear died yesterday at the ripe old age of 101. Norman Lear was one of the most famous sitcom producers of all time and perhaps he did good times good times ain't we lucky we got him good times that was a Norman Lear show and uh, all in the family was a Norman Lear show those were the days sung badly on purpose just like Archie and Edith did so remember If you've ever seen reruns of All in the Family, Archie Bunker was a very traditional, if not racist and sexist, old man. And his daughter married a young intellectual. So Archie Bunker is a blue-collar worker, and his daughter marries like a guy trying to be a professor, Michael Stivick. And they have they ain't got no money, so they have to live at home with the bunkers. And the name of the show, all of the family, and the, the, the situational comedy is the son-in-law and the father-in-law. And the son-in-law on that show is mo- Rob Reiner's most famous role, the meathead, Michael Stivett. And from that show, Rob Reiner went on to have a very successful career, which goes on till this day as an actor and director. So Rob Reiner, here, here's it. He's a Hollywood liberal, okay? He's a Hollywood liberal from Norman Lear shows. Norman Lear was controversial. He wouldn't be controversial today. He was controversial in his day. Also, Rob Reiner is the son of famous comedian Carl Reiner. Rob Reiner is ethnically Jewish, but like his father before him, Rob Reiner is an atheist. But not all atheists are liberal. James Lindsay's an atheist. He's not liberal. But Rob Reiner is your typical Hollywood leftist Democrat donor liberal. Rob Reiner does not like the way the country went when, when Trump was elected. Trump was elected with the support of a lot of Christians. And now Rob Reiner is coming out with a documentary film about Christian nationalism condemning Christian nationalism. Because Christian nationalism is becoming sort of popular now. Now, who does he get to tell you in his film about Christian nationalism and Christianity and how they, con- they, they, they conflict? 
okay? Who does he get? Does he get Josh Bice and the G3 guys? They're all in a tizzy with the other Reformed people about Christian nationalism. Does he go and try to get Doug Wilson and Stephen Wolf's perspective? I don't know. Maybe he tried to interview them and they didn't show up. He has Christian intellectuals, Christian quote-unquote thought leaders, interviewed on his documentary. Who does he get among, among others to speak for Christianity? Russell Moore, Phil Vischer, David French. In the mind of a Hollywood liberal, and the kind of person who would watch a Rob Reiner documentary and think, okay, tell me documentary about what Christianity is and who these people are. Rob Reiner's Christianity is Russell Moore, Phil Vischer, and David French. Some of the most dangerously insidious progressive Christians available. Okay, he, it's, it's not going out and getting some rainbow-clad, short-haired lady pastor from the ELCA. Okay, these are supposed to be America's conservative Christians. Russell Moore. He's, the, he's in charge of Christianity Today. The editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. Listen, Christianity Today does not represent rake-and-file pew-setting Christian, Christians. It doesn't. But in the minds of the public of America, it does. And that's Russell Moore, who left the Southern Baptist Convention finally after being awful for all those years in the ERLC. David French, the New York Times guy... He, he's sort of like their Hannity. Remember, remember Hannity and Combs? When I was in college, there was no Sean Hannity at 8 o'clock on Fox News. It was Hannity and Combs, fair and balanced, right? So you'd have Sean Hannity giving the conservative point of view, and then you'd have Alan Combs who'd give the liberal commentary. And Combs was a jobber. It was obvious he was there to get a, give a liberal commentary and lose to Sean Hannity. He's a jobber. It's like it's Hulk Hogan and the Brooklyn Brawler. You lose, jobber. Alan Colbs was their liberal jabroni. So you have Rob Reiner, who hates God, because all atheists hate, hate the God they don't believe in. Rob, Rob Reiner, who thinks Christianity is a bunch of nonsense and garbage, because it can't be true if you're an atheist. Let, he's like, let me go get some Christians. That's who he picks to represent evangelical Christianity. David French. Why did I, David French, he's like, the, he's like the Sean Hannity of the New York Times. He's their conservative jobber. He's supposed to be the evangelical voice of reason. No, he's not. He's, a, he, he's left of evangelicalism. And then Phil Vischer... That's, that's the guy from Veggie Tales. You're making computer animated vegetables into Bible characters. That does not qualify you as a theologian or representative of evangelicalism. And if you look at the guy's Twitter account, he's a leftist too. These are three men you would not want as a member of your church. But they have risen through the ranks of big evangelicalism 
to represent us to people like Rob Reiner and then through his documentary to the country as a whole. I don't want to be represented by those guys. By the way, nor do I want to be represented by the guy marching through Washington that says, with the big flag that says, Trump is my president, Jesus is my savior. God's guns, Jesus and Trump. I don't know. So what Rob Reiner is going to do is get the worst sandwich board Pelagian type. I know they're not sandwich board Pelagians, but the worst of the worst Christian nationalists, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, by the way, is the congressional representative where I work. These people that are caricatures of conservatism, like Lauren Boebert. And quite frankly, guys, if you think Donald Trump's a conservative for real, don't fool yourself. He's not. He's just appealing to who'll vote for him. Same thing with um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Same thing with Lauren Boebert. These people, you'll know them by their fruits. They're just wicked, wicked people in their lifestyle. They don't live Christian lives. They just get Christians to vote for them. Okay? And yes, Donald Trump, Trump tax cuts, Supreme Court justices who overruled or overturned Oberfell, heck yeah. Okay, great. So here's what Rob Reiner's doing. He's making a docu- he's making a documentary, I guess he's already made it, about the worst of the worst people in Christianity. And then he's going to march out the supposedly voice of reason Christians and to condemn it and say, this is not how Christianity is. And I don't want to be represented by Russell Moore or, or the people at the Trump parade with the, with the Trump, Trump dressed like Jesus flags. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. But don't represent me as an evangelical or Protestant Christian conservative Protestant Christian, I'll say biblical Christian, biblicist with Russell Moore. Guys, who you let rise through the ranks of your denomination matters because they're going to represent you in the eyes of the world. I'll tell you a story. When I worked at the Resnick Group, now Cone Resnick, okay, so read Jewish firm, Jewish accounting firm, own Resnick, but it was just Resnick at that time. When I worked at the Resnick Group, there was a guy who worked with me. We called him Haji because we couldn't pronounce his last name. He was Greek. Michael Hajimanos. I can't, I can't pronounce it to this day. Another one of the staff accountants. And he was Greek Orthodox. He's Greek. He's Greek Orthodox. That was his religion. And we used to have a little lunch group. We'd have guys that go out. It'd be me, him, my buddy Matt. Matt was a Roman Catholic. And we'd go uh, eat lunch together. So they're a real diverse group of white guys, okay? Because we're all different religions. But one time, uh, Michael heard that I was a Baptist. He said, you're a Baptist. I was like, yes. He's like, so, I mean, is that like Westboro Baptist? Because he didn't know. And by way of refresher, West, Westboro Baptist was the Baptist church run by one family that used to go protest 
at the funeral of soldiers with signs that said, God loves dead soldiers. And the reason is because God hates America and our soldiers because we have so many gays in America. It was just, just nonsensical protest for all these mourning families. You have people defending our country, defending our freedoms, and you got these people, God hates fags, and good, thank God for dead soldiers. Like, what is wrong with you? Is the acceptance of homosexuality God's judgment on America? I, th- I think so. I think we're being turned over as a country secularly to our wickedness, but there's really no call for that. They're not evangelizing anybody. They're just being jerks. And it says Baptist, right? And I had to explain to this guy. I said, listen, every single Baptist church is independent of every other Baptist church. And the Westboro Baptist people do not represent 99.999% of Baptists. And as I've said before on this show, the United States is the wild, wild west of Christianity because we have complete religious freedom and any nut job can start a church and be like, all right, the only people who go to this church, I'm the pastor and then my two daughters and two sons go here and their wives and children, we're a church. Like, no, you're just some whack job family. But that guy thought until I explained to him that Westboro Baptist Church would be representative of me of a Baptist. That's what he thought Baptists were. Guys, there's eight, there's like 20 million of us Baptists of various stripes. The, the Southern Baptists claim 15 million, although only five are in church. But then you got the missionary Baptist, independent Baptist, cooperative Baptist, the liberals. Then you got the the American Baptist, the National Baptist. Those are the Black Baptists. You got the Northern Baptists. All kind of Baptists out there. Okay. We are not represented by Westboro. We are a diverse group of Baptists who all believe in dunking people under the water when they make a profession. Good for us. Now, I was able to explain to that guy, they don't represent me. Are you able, Christian listener, people in my demographic, to are you able to explain to people the reason that Christianity today does not represent you, or as Jordan Hall used to call them, Christianity astray. Because if you don't explain this to people, they're going to get Rob Reiner's version of Christianity, which is through the eyes of of David French and Russell Moore. Why didn't he get Al Mohler? Why didn't he get Tom Askell? Guys, there's a reason. The kind of progressive, pragmatic, left of center or, or, or cushy center Christianity pushed by Russell Moore and David French and Phil Vischer is completely acceptable to leftist liberal atheists like Rob Reiner. Do you think those guys offend the world? They don't. Okay. They don't. But they should offend you, loyal listeners. So avail yourself of that documentary. Be ready when it comes out. It looks interesting. I'm just... I'm so sad to be represented 
in the eyes of of the country by Christianity Today and the Veggie Tales guy and his wife who teaches Enneagram stuff. And here's the thing, uh, you guys, I bet you don't watch Rob Reiner. I mean, I was about to say, you do watch Rob Reiner movies. There's a lot of funny, good Rob Reiner performances and movies out there, but you're probably not watching these documentaries, Hollywood leftist documentaries. You're probably not reading Christianity Today, or for that matter, The Gospel Coalition. But people are out there reading that, representing Christianity. You guys have got to go be a better representative of Christianity and Christ than Russell Moore. All right? Challenge accepted, I hope. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again Tuesday. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.